bring in all that we need to know. Well, good morning. Hey, that's much better. I like that. Well done. It's good to just hear from you. Good morning. It's good to hear from you guys. Um, for those of you online, we want to say good morning to you as well. Um, again, I know you've heard it multiple times, but we're just so glad that uh, we're able to join you and that, that you're able to join and be a part here. Um, I, I, I'm in this spot right now and we're, we'll all probably be here at least for a little bit. At least this is where I'm at. It's like, ah, oh, faces. Like, I get to see faces. <laughs> like, it's so, it's so nice. I absolutely love it. So it's just good to be able to see your faces. Um, we'll probably be seeing this for like the next five or six months just because it's just, ah, it's so good. And so, um, yeah, thanks for bringing your smiles. Thanks for being here. It's great. Um, so um, this morning as we launch in, I'm wondering, have you ever been in a spot where you found yourself in the in-between? Um, the, the in-between, if, if you're like, what does that mean? I mean, it's that time where you know that there's something ahead that you're looking forward to, but you're not there yet. Where you actually are is you're right here. But you have something to look forward to. And so you're in this in-between spot of like, here I am, but I'm looking forward to something else. Uh, I know that there's, I mean, likely you have, and I know that I have many times in my life. Um, but one of them that stands out the most to me is, is a time where um, I, was, I was younger and getting prepared to, to get, well, hoping to ask for my future spouse's hand in marriage. But I thought before I did that, it would be a good thing to have a conversation with, with her dad. Um, that seemed like the, the wise thing to do. Um, if we're going to step into a relationship, I figure at least should be in good, good company with, with the father-in-law, future father-in-law. So, um, so I decided, hey, let's set up a time. Let's go ahead and move forward with this. And so what we did, we set up the time, and, um, and the day finally came. And I remember when that day came because I was over on Bainbridge that morning. I was with some of my buddies, and we were painting the house. And um, as we were painting, um, it kind of became that time the, the alarm went off, and I thought, okay, here it comes. I'm going to be heading over uh, the, to, the, to the meeting. Now, um, as I got home, showered up, and got cleaned up to come, uh, one of the things that should have tipped me off about this whole thing is that um, this, where this meeting was located. Um, you would think if you're going to have like a nice little friendly conversation with the future father-in-law, you might have that maybe like in a coffee shop, you know, just kind of ease the, 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 the atmosphere, maybe in their home to kind of make it feel warm and inviting. Um, but no, um, this is going to take place in the office, like in the meeting room. It's like, oh, okay. Um, which I didn't even think of at the time because um, I was just young and dumb and just like, I just want to get married at some point. So I don't care about any of this. So I just walk right into this situation. I sit down and I'm thinking this, this, should be, this shouldn't be a very long conversation. I mean, I'm a pretty good guy. I mean, this shouldn't be too hard, right? And so I thought I'm going to ease the situation. I'm going to cut the tension a little bit um, by just kind of bringing in this little application that I put together. And so I took the application, I filled it out, and I put it before him. He's kind of just slid it across the table, like, you know, there you go. Okay, you know, you're going to have this. Now let's just banter back and forth. Well, um, he decided to go ahead and just take the application out and start to read, like, look over it right then and there. I'm like, oh, so we're doing this. Like, <laughs> like we're actually going through this application process. So he's going through, he's reading, asking some of the questions, and, and they're going through this whole situation. And, and I'm thinking, okay, you know, we're having conversation. Things are going well. I think, I think I'm good here. I mean, I'm, I'm not that bad of a guy. 
And so we, we get to the end of the conversation, and, and I can tell you, I, I was prepared for a lot of different things. I was prepared for, I was hoping and preparing for, yes, like, yeah, you can go ahead and move forward with my daughter. Like, that would be great. Uh, I was prepared. I kind of, like, prepared on my way coming from Bainbridge thinking, like, well, what if it's a no? You know, I mean, if that happens, okay, I think I can accept that, at least for the moment, but, you know, I'll, I'll take that in, so I'm, I'm, I'm prepared for that. I think I was prepared for so many different responses, like, if he would have said, like, well, Mario, pink elephants are kind of flying around the room right now, and so, you know, that's going to make something happen. I could have, like, okay, great, but I was not prepared for his response. His response, he and his, his wife were there, and, and they said, um, okay, thanks, Mario, uh, we'll get back to you in a few days. what (laughs) a few days like okay um so I'm gonna head out the office yeah okay thank you see you later so two so days passed and can I tell you those were the longest days of my life I tell you my prayer quotient with the Lord like we were on point. Me and Jesus, we were talking more than I'd ever talked to him before at that time. There's something about that moment that just increased my prayer life. You know about the in-betweens, right? You've been there before, right? Those in-between moments have such an impact in our world. When you're just not trying to wait it, just trying to figure it out. Maybe if you're here this morning and you're in the midst of waiting for a job and you're just trying to figure out when is it going to come, you might be in the in-between Maybe you're in the in-between, you're a younger person, you're trying to figure out if you're going to make that sports team, or, or maybe you're trying to figure out, will this college accept me? And you're in the in-between. Maybe for some of us, we're in this place, and we're in this in-between as we're sitting here wondering, will the masks be over, or will they not? Some of us all actually all kind of sit in the in-between of how this whole thing is going to play out. Some of us are in relationships where we're hoping and wondering, here we are now, But what could happen in the future? Will that person ever change? And we sit in the in-between. Some of us are just waiting for Jesus to return. (laughs) So we're just kind of sitting, Lord, can this all be over with? We're just in the in-between. You know, scholars actually say as a people of God, that's actually a way to think about this whole life that we have. That we live in this already that Jesus has come, but we're also in the in-between because we're waiting for him to return again. And so we're living in this in-between. So all of us feel that at some level. And the reason I bring it up is as we're in this spot of the world we live in where if we don't figure out how to live in this in-between well, um, well, the world has a way to help us with that. And the way that it does it is that it gives us more and more and more distractions. We don't know how to wait well in our world. We don't know what to do in the in-between moments. And so it starts to fill our world with distractions. And if it doesn't do that, then it just calls us to fall asleep to all that's going on around us. And we can do that, but what we end up doing is we end up missing out on the dreams and plans that God has in store for us. You see, I don't know if you recognize this. I know that we have a pandemic that's been happening. I know we have politics that are going on. I know we have our own personal life that happens. But as we get caught up in those things, what we end up forgetting is that God has a dream for your life. God has things that he's up to in this world, and he's inviting you into them. 
But the thing that happens so much is we get distracted by so many things that we forget that we're, we're meant to be a part of something bigger. And so I wonder, even before we step any further along, have you considered God's dreams for you as of late? Or have you given up on those? Have they kind of lost their way in the midst of all that's going on? You see, this is so important. And that's why we're in this series called Restoration, the road to restoration. Because this guy named Nehemiah, he was in a place where he was needing to see restoration take place for him and for the people that he was going to be in contact with. And as we've unpacked this series, we started with looking at the book of Ezra and see how these people in exile started to live. And we continue to unpack this as we look at the book of Nehemiah, which is connected, the two are connected, Ezra and Nehemiah. And what we're starting to see is maybe some of the ways that Nehemiah dealt with living in the in-between to bring restoration. Maybe we can start to do some of the very same things. Because wherever you find yourself, you're called to bring restoration to that area of your life and the people around you. So maybe there's something for us today. Because you see, if we don't get this, then what ends up happening is we just fall into this place of living through life, and mediocrity, and just watching life pass us by. But not Nehemiah. Nehemiah, if we remember, if we happen to have checked out last week, Tom started off the series, and he talked about this guy, Nehemiah. And he said that Nehemiah had a specific position within the kingdom. Do you remember what he said he was? He said he was the cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah was a cupbearer. Nehemiah, that, that role of cupbearer, it's one of prestige. It's one that, that anybody would want. Tom made, made a point of that last week, that this is a high-profile position. This was the guy who came before the king, and he offered him the food. He tasted it before he did, and then he would offer it to the king. This is one of the king's most trusted people, so a position that anybody would want. And yet, what we have to realize is Nehemiah, even as, as though with this high-profile position that he had, he was still a slave. Nehemiah was a captive. As great as that role was, Nehemiah was in a place called Susa. And that king was not his king. That land, Susa, was not his land. His homeland was 900 miles away in Jerusalem. So you can imagine what it would be like when Nehemiah's brother comes to him. And he says, um, Nehemiah comes and says, like, hey, so what's going on? And if you want to follow along, you can turn to Nehemiah chapter 1 because that's what we're going to be unpacking is chapter 1 and chapter 2. So if you want to engage your, your text, you can. But he comes and Nehemiah says, what's going on in Jerusalem? And his brother says, it's not good, Nehemiah. It's not good. The city walls are broken down. The people there are living in disgrace. Now, I know for you and I, we don't, around Paul's Bowl or wherever you live, there aren't walls around it. So it might be hard to figure out, like, what's the significance of that? But understand, for those people, that was their way of having protection. It would be like somebody calling you up and you saying, hey, what's going on? And they would say, hey, your family is living in complete destitution out in the streets and they're homeless right now. Let me ask you, what do you do with that? Oh, and by the way, 
It's not like you can just hop on an airplane and go take care of the situation. He didn't have one of those. It's not like you could just get in a car and drive over and assess the situation. He didn't have that. He didn't have, even have a bike to get there. He was in a spot where he had and no phone. He had no way to communicate with him. So I ask you, if you were in that position, what would you do if you were Nehemiah? Well, for many of us, right, I mean, we might find ourselves in a spot where we would maybe do the vigilante thing. You know, we, if we were Nehemiah, we would wait till it's nighttime. We would sneak out and go back to Jerusalem and see what we can do to fix the problem. Or maybe you would wake up the next morning and you would go before the king and demand your way. Say, look, king, here's what's going on. Something needs to change. You see, that's the way that we often re respond, don't we? It's the American way to drive. We want to be the revolutionary. We want to be the vigilante and make something happen. It's kind of natural for us to do that. But here's the deal. As a people of God, we're called to not just be natural, but to be supernatural. You see, the scriptures let us know that if you have the spirit of God living within you, then you have the spirit that can come out of you to live a supernatural life. I wonder, do you remember that? Do you live with that reality? Because if so, then it calls you and I to respond to situations differently. It calls us to live in the in-between differently than ways that we might normally do it. And Nehemiah helps us to come to understand what that can look like. And so Nehemiah tells his own story. He tells his own tale. And in the beginning, what we see in verse 4, we see him start to say, this is what happened after my brother came to me. This is what I did. He says, when I heard about the news in Jerusalem, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days, I mourned, fasted, and prayed to the God of heaven. Nehemiah's first response when all of this went down, when he heard about the news, he didn't go launching off. The very first thing he did is he took time to mourn, to fast and pray. Nehemiah fasted and prayed in the in-between. And then what Nehemiah does is he does something I, I so appreciate. Because I don't know about you, but in times when I'm, I'm trying to figure out what to pray, I run out of words. I run out of words really quickly. It's funny, every time I get done speaking, my wife just laughs because I'm like, I have used up all my words for the day. Like, I, I, I don't, like, I'm done. I mean, here's the deal. Trying to have words to say can sometimes be hard, so I so appreciate when the scriptures let us know, when these guys give us a peek in, here's how I prayed, here's what I said. It gives me words to say. And Nehemiah does the very same thing for us. He starts to unpack, and what, as this prayer that he unpacks is just so beautifully written. And some of the things that he says in there, there, there's a cry for God's ears to be attentive. God, would you hear what's going on? There's a, a confession of sin that he takes on, not just for himself, but for the people as well, to say, like, God, we have done something wrong. And he, there's a plea for that God's ears would be attentive to Nehemiah's prayer. Have you been there before? I think Tom was even talking about it. God, would you just hear would you hear what's going on? It's a beautiful prayer. But what I wanted to kind of hone in on is how Nehemiah finishes this prayer that he has. After talking about all of these things, this is what we read in verse 11. Nehemiah finishes up by saying, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart 
to be kind to me. Please, grant me success today, Lord. Now, I know that at first glance, of all the things that I could have highlighted, that's the part, to be a success. I mean, am, am, I, am I maybe suggesting that, that the thing that we're supposed to do is just to ask God that we can be successful in our world? And the answer is yes and no. What I'm not claiming is that, that we're supposed to be people who just take in a bunch of things and ask God for a bunch of stuff. But instead, what we have to recognize is why Nehemiah is asking for success. You see, Nehemiah recognizes that he's meant to be a part of something bigger than what's going on. So he asked God, would you grant me success in this moment? Nehemiah is asking for success so that the story of God's restoration would continue to move forward. He wasn't asking for success so that he could have a better car, a nicer home, a bigger boat, a nicer house. He wasn't asking for success for those things. He was asking for success so that God's plan could work through him. And I love this. So Nehemiah asked for success, but he asked for it in the presence of Artaxerxes. Artaxerxes was the king. I'll read it to you again. He says, please grant me success today by making the king favorable to me. Put it in his heart the king, to be kind to me. You see, this is huge. I mean, you think about your prayers. See, so often our prayers are asking God to do something for us. But I wonder how often we're willing to pray for God to do something through us. That we're actually a part of what God wants to do. And so I ask you, what do your prayers look like? How do you pray right now? Are your prayers in line with what God has in store? Do you, are, you, are you thinking about what dreams the Lord has placed on your heart and in your life? Or are our prayers generally about yourself? One of the things I would invite you to consider is that maybe our calling is to start to pray for success in our world around us. I mean, if you're a parent, Instead of just praying for, for your kids to have character, maybe you start praying for success and being a person of character to model that to your kids. All of a sudden, you have skin in the game. Maybe instead of just praying for your friend to come to know Jesus, which is a wonderful thing, maybe you start to ask God for success in the opportunities that you have with that friend. All of a sudden, you got skin in the game. Maybe instead of simply praying for his kingdom to come, maybe start praying for success and bringing his kingdom to bear in every conversation, in every text, in every tweet, in every job situation and interaction that you find yourself in. All of a sudden, you have skin in the game. Because God doesn't just simply want to have stuff take place. Nehemiah could have prayed the prayer, oh God, would you just fix things in Jerusalem? He could have done, he could have done that. But he didn't. Nehemiah prayed, grant me success as I'm in front of the king. God, I know that you have placed dreams and plans in my heart and in my life, and I know that I'm meant to be a part of the calling of what you want to do in this world. So grant me success as I step into the things that you have in store for me. When was the last time you prayed prayers like that? 
or has all the in-between of the stuff that's been going on cause us to lose a heavenly vision of what God has in store for us? It's so easy to do. I pray that God grants you all kinds of success when your heart is connected with his. Now, of course, um, when we pray prayers like that, um, it's, it would be natural that the next line that we read would be, and God answered his prayer. Right? I mean, that's the way that it's supposed to work. I pray a passionate prayer. God hears the prayer equals answered right away. But that's not what we read. If you flip over with your thumb on your phone and you turn to chapter 2, what we read is this. Nehemiah tells the tale, tale. He says, early the following spring, in the month of Nisan, during the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign. That's what we read next. Now, I know that most of us aren't looking on our calendars and seeing the word Nissan on there. I mean, Nissan's usually like a car. That's the only experience that we have of that word. So I, I get that. And so let me just kind of help us a little bit. Nissan is around the month of, of April. He had heard the news sometime back in November. And so it had been four or five months that he found himself in a spot where he was praying, he was grieving, he was mourning, he was fasting, saying, oh God, would you show up and do something in this moment? He had taken four months around that. Now, for some of you, four months, you're like, I've been praying for years for my friend to come to know Jesus. I've been praying for years for God to intervene. I've been praying for years. Four months? Yeah, I know. For some of you, you know what it means to what we call tarry in prayer. But for a generation that's coming up, four months? Are you kidding me? In the TikTok world we live in? In the Amazon Prime world, we live in four months? No, see, the way that the Marvel movie is supposed to work is something bad happens, the heroes come in, and all is well right afterwards. It's supposed to happen in 90 minutes, not four months. What we see is Nehemiah having to be in a spot where he's waiting. Time passes. And he's willing to be in that, in the in-between. After these four months go by, he recognizes the moment that sits in front of him. And when he does, it's almost like he can't help it because he's standing before the king as the cupbearer. And as he is, he's holding the cup, ready to give it to the king. And the king notices something in his eyes. He notices something in his face. The king says, what's going on with you, Nehemiah? Seems sad. Your countenance seems to be down. What's going on? Nehemiah recognizes this is the moment. And Nehemiah was ready for it. He had already spent some time, and he was ready for this moment. And so Nehemiah lets us know how he responds. And more than me just trying to tell you about it, I think it's worthy of reading. Here's what he says. He says, I replied to the king, long live the king. How can I not be sad? For the city where my ancestors are buried is in ruins, and the gates have been destroyed by fire. And then the king asks, how can I help you? And here comes the pivotal moment. 
I love how Nehemiah starts. Well, this is how you can do it. He says, with a prayer to the God of heaven, I replied, if it pleases the king, and if you are pleased with me, your servant, send me to Judah to rebuild the city where my ancestors are buried. Send me back. The king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked, how long will you be gone? When will you return? And Nehemiah reports that after I told him how long I would be gone, the king agreed to my request. How cool is that? But Nehemiah is not done. Nehemiah recognizes the moment. He sees the opening. Permission granted. But Nehemiah goes on, he says, when I, and I also asked the king, well, since we're here, if, if it pleases the king, let me have letters addressed to the governor of the province west of the Euphrates River, instructing them to let me travel safely through the territories on my way to Judah. And since we're here, if you would, please give me a letter addressed to Asaph, the manager of the king's force, instructing him to give me timber. I will need it to make the beams for the gates of the temple fortress, for the city walls, and for the house for myself. And the king granted these requests, and I love how he ends this, because the gracious hand of God was on me. Here's Nehemiah in this moment, and I love it, because he recognizes that here's the moment I'm in, and I'm ready for it. It, it seems to be by every indication, by Nehemiah's request, that it's so, it's so elaborate, there's so much more going on, that it seems to be that Nehemiah wasn't just praying. He wasn't just fasting. I want to suggest to you that Nehemiah was also planning for this moment. And for all of you who are planners, know that there's a place in the kingdom for you too. <laughs> I'm one of them. Here he is. I mean, think about it. This moment, he had to think through. I need to make sure I have a way to get across safely. I need to make sure I have timber. He started to put a plan together to be ready for this moment. Nehemiah also planned in the in-between. Yes, he prayed, but he also planned in the in-between. And for some of us, this time of being in the in-between can feel like the most wasted time for you. Maybe you're retired and you've realized that there's got to be more than just sitting in retirement. It feels like time is just being wasted. Maybe you're in a dating relationship that's not going anywhere and you recognize that it could be more. It just feels like you're wasting time. Maybe you're in a marriage that you feel like it's lost its companionship and you're longing and wishing that it would be something more in that relationship. Maybe you're in a job right now, but you know that God has called you to something more and you just feel like you're wasting your time. If you are, I just want to encourage you to dream a moment, to plan a moment. If you had all the resources that you needed to see change happen, let me ask you this. What would you do first? What would you do second? If you had all the resources available to you to see change take place, what would you do third? I know that might not sound very super spiritual, but can I say this? It seemed to make sense to Nehemiah. You see, our ability to step into the in-between with prayer, with fasting, with a heart that says, God, I know that you have something in store for me, and I know that you're up to something, so I'm going to put my energy towards seeing what the preferred future is going to look like, and I'm going to plan for that. 
that will keep you in a spot where you don't move into despair, but you move into hope instead. And that's what our world needs right now. Men and women of faith that are trusting God, and as Nehemiah said, with a prayer in hand, I step into the situations of my life. Someone said this, in many instances, opportunity, apart from planning, results in missed opportunities. Opportunity, apart from planning, often results in missed opportunities. And so I want to encourage you to take advantage of this opportunity that you have, whatever it might be, to say, Lord, here's where I'm at. I'm going to give you all that I have right here, right now. I know that you have something in store for me for the future, so I'm on the lookout for it. I choose to be a, a person of hope because this world needs it. You have that opportunity right here, right now, wherever you are. We're going to take an opportunity to pray in just a moment. And for some of us, to be honest, where you're at, you're in a spot where um, you would say, I've given up on hope. I've given up on the idea of looking towards the future. And if that's you, I want to let you know this. God's not done with you. God is not done with you. If he was, you wouldn't be here. But you are here. And he has intention and meaning and purpose for your life. And so would you look to him and see what he has in store for you? Some of you, you haven't taken time to offer yourself to the Lord in prayer. And so you're being eaten up in this in-between time. Maybe for you the adjustment is to say, Lord, I choose to come after you with prayer, with fasting, to make the most of this moment that I'm in. Some of you, you haven't dreamed in a long time. It's been a while. Maybe you've forgotten the plans that God has had for you. And your calling this morning is to remember what God has spoken to you about and say, yes, Jesus, I choose to be about those things. And then I wonder if some of us are here and the only dreams that you've had are the dreams about yourself. It's been your stuff, your plans, and what you're realizing is like they give you a sense of life, they do, but that life seems to ebb out quickly. And so all that ends up being left is you and these failed dreams. Maybe this morning you're tired of that and you need a different way to go. Jesus said, yeah, I know that you're looking for life and, and here's the reality. I've come to give life and life to the full. Life more abundantly. You can have that this morning. All you need to do is lay aside your dreams and your plans and your way of being and choose mine. You get that option. You get that choice. And this is the time that you can make that choice. And so I'm just going to invite us here if we stand. We're going to take an opportunity to respond to the Lord. And for those of you online, I invite you to take this moment as we all take an opportunity to pray together. I'm going to pray. This gives you a kind of chance to stretch. And let's take a moment before the Lord. Heavenly Father, we come to you as a faith community this morning. Lord, we come with confession. 
confessing that our eyes get directed off in so many different directions that they shouldn't be. By all the distractions that this world brings our way, our ears get clogged to the very thing that you want to speak to us. Vision, dreams, passion, meaning. But in this moment, Lord, we ask your forgiveness, Lord, for getting caught up in those things and come back to you in this moment. And we ask, Lord, that you would open up our ears, open up our eyes to see the visions that you have, that you pour down from heaven, to hear the songs that you want to sing over us about the future that you have in store for us. And as a people of God, we say, yes, Lord, we receive those dreams once again. We hear your meaning and your passion and your purpose for our life. Some of us are being reminded once again of the things that you've spoken over us in the past and choose to redirect our energy toward those things. Father, some are here this morning watching online. And we've never given our life to you. Really, we've been trying to make our own dreams work and it just hasn't worked out. And so in this moment, Lord, we surrender. Say, Lord, I, I give you my life. I give you my dreams and my plans. I give you the ways in which I'm trying to make life work. It's not working. So I give it all to you. Jesus, I'm asking you to be my savior. I'm asking for you to be the leader of my life. I'm asking for you to be the one to, to direct me and grant me vision and dreams and passion for the future. In this moment, I choose to follow you. We'll work out the rest of the details later, Lord. But in this moment, I'm saying my heart is yours. Jesus, I thank you for your truth that say that when we come to you and we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to purify us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you're doing that right here, right now. And I thank you for it. New life is being birthed in your people. And we choose to receive it fresh and anew for some, once again for others, that you would help us to be the people of God that you've called us to be in this world. We give you thanks for showing us a way to live in the in-between. In Jesus' name.